everybody lined up to talk to recruiters. And the line was like, you know, out the door, it was huge. So I did not line up and at all. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna let these people do their thing. I'm gonna go get some pizza. <laughs> I'm gonna sit at the table, <laughs> wait till this dies down and then go talk to them. Like that was kind of my plan. And then um, I, while I was eating my pizza, I literally observed, <laughs> it sounds weird, but I was literally watching what every single person was doing to the recruiter. And they were all doing the exact same thing. They're all like, mm. talk, 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 give resume, talk, 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 give resume, talk, 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 give resume. And I was like, okay, how can I, he's not going to remember all these people because they're all doing the exact same thing. Mm. So I just sat back and I was like, I'll just like do something very, very different. What's up, y'all? Thank you for tuning in again to Lit PM, a podcast dedicated to demystifying the field of product management to help everyone understand how they can break into the field. On today's pod, we have a very special guest, the homegrown Nora, who is currently a product manager at Microsoft, or program manager, as Microsoft calls it internally. Today, Nora and I talk about how she went from a chemistry student in undergrad, aspiring to be a dentist, to getting into dental school, turning it down, and ultimately breaking into her first product management gig at Microsoft. Yeah, you heard that right. She went from rejecting dental school to product at Microsoft. We talked through how she first became interested in product, how she approaches networking, how she crafted her resume to be product oriented, and of course, how she prepped for the Microsoft interview process. What's most unique about this episode is that we get to hear about how Nora followed her intuition to get to where she is today. She has some great snippets of life advice that she shares throughout this episode. I hope y'all enjoy. Hey, what's up? Hey, how you doing? Hey, uh, welcome to the Olympian Podcast. Uh, you've only been a product manager for one month and you're already on the podcast, which is indicative of how late you've been as a product manager. Whoa, thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the um, group, yeah. <laughs> you know what's up. Um, so yeah, w- welcome to the podcast, Nora. Uh, really excited to have you. I know that you uh, went through a series of events before you ended up on your new role at Microsoft as a product manager. So congrats. And I didn't look at your LinkedIn, but I'm super curious, like the stuff that you went through to get here. Uh, <laughs> Cause I think you, you studied uh, sciences in your undergrad. Mm-hmm. Before we get started, how has it been for your first month? It's been really good. I've just been kind of thrown right into it and um, kind of experiencing the whole like product life cycle already from beginning to hopefully end and start rolling out some features and already already yeah they just threw me in kind of big project already and I was like cool I'm not gonna lie kind of killed the interview so I think they kind of thought I was smart (laughs) so they're like (laughs) let's put you on something that like you know you can kind of discover and brainstorm so I was like all right well let's do it (laughs) damn and they knew you didn't have product experience as well well I, I had like one internship at sap and um that was oh, a PM okay. role. it was more of a technical pm role so that was really fun um but i didn't actually get to do any like feature rollouts there like every company has a different kind of idea of what pm is too that's a thing so it's like even at microsoft there's different types of pms um every mm. company has different types of PMs. so even at microsoft we're even called like program managers even though right. we're product managers and even in my interviews they're like yeah, we call it this, where you're actually a product manager. And I was like, okay, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, cause there's a separate, like program managers are a whole separate thing at other companies. At other companies, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's confusing, cool. but that's what PM is, I guess. It's a whole complicated circle of things. Yeah, that's why yeah. we're here to try to demystify yeah. product management. Um, yeah. Cool, so let's 
let's start from the beginning. Good to hear you're loving it so far. Uh, but obviously that's not what you wanted to do when you were yeah. an undergrad because you studied sciences. Sure. So yeah. take us, take us from the beginning. What did you study? The whole process. What did you study and what uh, did you want to do coming out of undergrad? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, first of all, I didn't know what product management was until like a year and a half ago. So it was something that I just kind of recently discovered and was like, what? This is, this is so me. Anyway, so I'll get to that. But <laughs> that, pretty that. much at McGill, I studied McGill, that's where we met. And um, I had decided to go become a dentist. Like that was my ultimate plan after undergrad. I was like, I'm going to study chemistry, like do the, the hardest possible program I could do at McGill for some reason. I clearly had no idea what I was doing <laughs> and really worked my butt off just to get that good GPA to kind of get into, you know, a dental school. But and you got into a dental school. I did. <laughs> I got into dental Damn, school. Right that's after. a grind on its own. I know. But you know what? It's kind of satisfying in some ways looking back. I'm like, you know what? I proved to myself that I could do it. But it's just, it was my choice not to do it. It wasn't like, oh, I couldn't get in. So I had to do something else. <laughs> I kind of planned. But it was like, it was like okay, I proved to myself that I could do it. But it's like, I chose that wasn't for me. And that's a good feeling looking back. But mm. At McGill, I actually started an organization called Student Research Initiative, SRI, and it kind of blew up in some ways. Like now it's like doing really, really well and it's kind of killing it at McGill. And that was the first time I kind of experienced, you know, starting something and kind of creating a product. And I didn't even know mm. what that was. It was just something that I was like, okay, there's a problem in the science faculty. Like there's no good communications between like students and profs in regards to getting, you know, research opportunities. Like it was just kind of like a free for all email process. So you have like a hundred emails in your mailbox and hope for the best kind of oh. stuff. Yeah, it was pretty, pretty messy. So I was like, why don't we just create a system, like a one place area, have a database and like all that stuff. And oh, so like you, you made, you made yeah. an actual product. I made an actual product at McGill and it wasn't even, I didn't even know that I was doing that. It was just something like, I want to start something. And um, solve this problem that I see right now that we're facing and at the time I was just doing like research and stuff so I didn't I was just like this is this is not fair like all these like comp science engineering peeps have like all these internships they could do but we're here like trying to struggle finding like research opportunities <laughs> why don't we have that like nice kind of system as well mm. essentially Did you build I, it? yeah I built it yeah I helped like we I started it with this uh my friend Sarah and we just started from scratch, decided to like build a team. We brought in like, even like a computer science person, like a bunch of different people who like could help us. And then we just built this little tiny little organization from scratch. And now we have a website and everything. And I mean, looking back I'd, with the comp sci knowledge I have now, I'd probably do it a little differently because it was very like yeah. manual at the time. But mm. um, yeah, so that was that. And that was really fun because that ended up kind of creating my whole entrepreneurial spirit that I had because yeah. I, I was like whoa I didn't even know that I had that but I really enjoyed like that leadership role kind of like doing something cool working with the team all that I didn't know what that was though right mm. so still did that but I was like hey gotta focus and like do well in school <laughs> why did you choose like why did why did you think you were passionate about dentistry <laughs> for reals um <laughs> pretty much like hey first of all fun fact i'm like the first woman in my family to be in tech there's literally oh. no other women in my fam in the tech world so i was never exposed to it it was never something like it was a topic of discussion kind of growing up 
Mm. So it was always like women in my family are doctors or like engineers, or not even engineers, doctors and like lawyers. Like those were the main two. Dang. Okay. I know, like go get her family, honestly. Dang. But I was like, okay, I guess I have to be like a doctor too or something. And so I don't know. I saw my older cousin who was a doctor, and I was like, oh, I don't know. That's for me. Like, it was, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I want to have that lifestyle for myself. Like, you know, I go to the hospital every day, and like, it's great work. Obviously, you're helping people, but it just didn't suit my kind of like. I don't know. I'm like too sensitive. I'd cry for everybody mm. hurting. Like, it just wouldn't work out for me. It just hurt me like to my soul. So I was like, all right, I'll go be a dentist because that's like safe. I'm just working on people's teeth. Like I don't have to deal with people <laughs> dying pretty much. And I was like, that sounds better. Um, so that was pretty much my like the reason why I was like, I'm going to be a dentist because like I can be my own boss and just run my own like business essentially. Mm. and not have to worry about anything too crazy. I'm just working on people's teeth. So that's pretty much <laughs> looking back. That sounds so lame, but that's <laughs> literally the reason why I chose to be a dentist and <laughs> clearly not a good enough reason to be a dentist but that was my reason hey, and all then, good. yeah so nobody then, had a reason in high school no, no one really had a reason exactly I honestly did not think about what I was going to even study at, at McGill like I just went in picked a science I was good at but anyway that was that um and then yeah once I graduated McGill there was just a huge shift in my just view of life a little bit like it was kind of like wait, why am I going into dentistry? Like, what? why did I even study chemistry? Like, it was just all these questions I was actually starting to ask why a little bit more. It was kind of mm. like floating in the air and just doing what I thought I had to do. But, and then, so yeah, when I got into dental school, I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to defer my application and go travel for a year and just have fun and just, you know, do different shit that I've been doing and see what else there is out there and see if I find something else. If I do, then I'm not going to go. If I don't, then I'll just go. <laughs> that was yeah. my. Let's take a, let's take a pause there. Cause I think that's super interesting because a lot of people that like plan their lives, like, yeah. cause it went accordingly. You went, it went smoothly. Accordingly, you you yeah. hustled your ass off, did chemistry, like got good grades and got into dental school and you could have, the next step was to, to go to dental school and then become a dentist. Yeah. Why did you question your life at that point? after you've done so much to get to that point. Okay, this is, this is gonna sound weird, but like during my free times at Shoe Six when I was studying, I was literally yeah. looking up internships at these big tech companies, like for no uh -huh. reason. I didn't even understand why. Like I was looking at like in San Fran, like Pinterest, all these cool creative opportunities. And I was like, man, I can't do that because I'm in camp. I just remember mm. thinking that way. But I didn't know what that meant. Like at the time, I was just kind of like, why am I even looking up these internships that I can't do? Like this mm. is a waste of time. So subconsciously, like I always knew there was something for me in that world, but I just didn't know how to get there or what that was. Mm. Um, so and I you didn't realize that until college when yeah, you had a lot of homies yeah. in CS doing internships and SF. Yeah, it was actually my friend Vic who got into like a Microsoft internship at McGill and he was also in Seattle. I have a bunch of family in Seattle. So we met up one time and he like told me a whole bunch about, you know, his internship and like the whole world of tech. And I was like, hey, this sounds pretty cool. Like, how come I've never been like exposed to this or like kind of how come nobody told me about this? And so that was the first time I actually, it actually kind of opened my eyes a little bit to what the tech world was. And so I decided to kind of look a little bit more into my own, like kind of do a little bit more research, kind of figure out what there is. And 
I pretty much had decided like, okay, well, I'm not in tech. How the heck am I going to get into this? Like, I guess I'll go into dentistry. Um, (laughs) But yeah, but then my, you know, organization that I started at McGill also became pretty successful and it did really well. We actually got a finalist for like the Forces Avenue Award last year, which is a really prestigious award from the Dean. And it was just like one of those things that it was like, okay, I clearly have like this entrepreneurial side, but what does that mean? Uh, so that's what I was trying to figure out pretty much. Like, I was like, I want to, I want to explore this entrepreneurial side. I have a bit more. I really have, I feel like I have good ideas. I just need to like figure out how I can execute them a bit more. And mm-hmm. that's what I did. And even my year off, like after McGill, like I did the most random stuff. Like it was literally like, I did videography. I did, I worked with GoPro at, in Hawaii to do some like surf shots. I did like, yeah. Uh, photography I did like a food blog like it was just a very creative journey that I went down that year yeah and that's kind of when I I discovered more about computer science and I was like I saw I looked into like how I can even learn more about it is there so I did a little bit of self-teaching and um, found a two-year accelerated comp site program in Vancouver and I was like sweet I can get a two-year I can in two years I can get a degree in comp site and hopefully go down the path that I had hoped to go down. I just didn't know that that's something I could do. Oh, wow. So wait, at this point, you knew already that you wanted to go into tech? Yeah, after, that year after, after my like travel, like meeting different people, I met a lot of cool entrepreneurs. I met, yeah, people who were like selling their startups for like, you know, half a million dollars or half a billion dollars <laughs> and just like killing it. And I was like, that sounds really cool. I was like, this sounds fun. This sounds like something that I want to explore and do more. And then I kept looking back to like my dentist life and I was like, like that just, do I really just want to look at people's teeth for the rest of my life? I don't think so. Like no shade to that career at all. Like I think obviously a fantastic career and it sets you up for life in many ways, but just for me personally, it just wasn't um, going to, I think, challenge me the way I would like to be challenged. Um, so yeah, then I kind of went and applied to this program for dental or, uh, comp sci and got in and was like, sweet, I'm just gonna <laughs> put my chips here and see what happens. Like, let's, let's go for it. Just go for it. And you said no to dental school. I said no to dental school. Yeah. Damn. That's a, that's a boss ass move because like so many people dream of getting, getting into dental school, like to say no to it and go in a complete different direction after you spent so much time and energy, like invested into it. Yeah. Like, yeah. To to realize like there's this thing called the sunk cost fallacy. I don't know if you like you're familiar with that. Basically, it's no. like when a lot of people have sunk a lot of time and energy into something, like it's hard for them to pivot in the other direction and think objectively from like the present moment of what I want today. Because just because I sunk so much time into it doesn't mean I need to keep sinking more time into it. And I think a lot of people have that mentality, like myself included. But for mm-hmm. you, it sounds like you're like, fuck it, let's just reset. I know what I want to do now. And you just went into like a complete different direction that was probably risky for you. Like you didn't know the outcomes. Of huge these two, risk, of this huge years, risk. Yeah, right? huge risk. Yeah. <laughs> Damn, that's crazy. Okay, I, I love that mentality. That's that's intense. But I want to hear more about like how this year of traveling helped you um, make that decision, and how did you get into some of like these like side hustles that you got into while traveling? I think that's like an underlooked part in your in your process. <laughs> Um, well, it was actually with one of my best friends, Lucy, who we, um, we were both kind of in the same phase in life a little bit. And we we're both like, why don't we just travel together and just like, you know, 
start creating some videos because at the time that was like just happening like the whole like travel video kind of lifestyle stuff and not even the word influencer wasn't even like a thing yet it was just kind of like a starting mm. ground and we're like oh well why don't we just we have time let's just buy a camera go out and like just have fun and like explore our creative side um and just through that journey we just met like honestly it's the people i met in that journey that really shaped my views it was just meeting a lot of diverse groups of people and um that just shows how important it is to have like diversity and inclusion even in tech right because it's like all hey. these different hey, hey plug but like all plug. these like <laughs> all these different um you know viewpoints and perspectives on life and even just in terms of career is what kind of shaped my opinions about it a bit more before I felt like I had a very linear opinion about what I should mm. be doing and it was very um yeah you know black and white like do well go to dental school probably get married have kids mm. all that kind of thing that you know society expects of you but um through that journey meeting so many I don't know in some ways they were free spirits and it was just kind of like nah man like just do what you want like live life to the fullest and just mm. enjoy the little moments like don't be so caught up in what everybody else wants you to do or what society thinks you should do or yeah I think a lot of the time we put all that time into something thinking we have to do it because everybody's known us to be putting that time and energy into right. that like the amount of people who were surprised that I turned down dental school was <laughs> insane because everyone's like that's all you've talked about for four years like how could that be like something you just turned down like you're crazy pretty much and I'm like probably <laughs> <laughs> yeah I don't know but I'm I don't know. There was a calling. I followed my intuition. That's honestly the best way I can say it. And it led me to where I am today. It's opened up so many doors. I can't say I regret anything I did because yeah, I'm super happy now. It brought me to where I wanted to. So damn, that's some, that's some real shit. I'm trust inspired. Yeah. Trust your intuition. Honestly, like that was a big lesson for me is even at McGill, there was a lot of times I didn't trust my intuition. And I really wish I had like looking back because it was just something mm. like, like no, like I would, it would, it would be there, but then you just like, again, have all these outs, outsources right. cover it a external bit. External voices and shit. External yeah. Voices. yeah. So then, yeah, I kind of like to think of it as like, you know, we're made of gold when we're young and then the older we get, we're kind of like armor's kind of like built on top of us. And in some ways, once we get to a point where we realize that's happened, we're able to kind of strip away that armor that society has put on us and become that essential goal that we were born to be and I know that, Dang, sounds, I know that sounds that's like crazy whimsy and like whimsical or whatever but that's just how I see it as like I feel like I found my inner gold again and that's kind of what I'm pursuing and yeah I can't I'm so happy now that I've done that <laughs> I really don't give like honestly no fucks <laughs> what anybody cares about or says or anything so I'm like okay cool like that's your opinion on xyz but I'm still gonna yeah so, Damn, yeah. I wouldn't even be surprised like if you left product management after like a year or two if you found like a different calling because that's just that's like how you approach life now and I think that's that's fucking gangster that you I think it's just like this follow your intuition follow what opportunities are coming towards you and just go with it I mean honestly right. product management is something again I didn't know about until a year and a half ago when I was like looking for internships um I just met with a lot of managers and they're all just like I considered product management and I was like what's what's product management like I have no idea what you're talking about and they're like they're like just send us your resume you know just like they were approaching me to go into product management which I oh, thought wow. was 
Yeah, because yeah. I, I was doing like software edge stuff. I was in comp sci, right? So it's like, I thought yeah. that's what I was going to end up doing. But my first internship ended up being a product management role. And I was like, shit, this is so cool. I love this. This is amazing. And oh, shit. Okay, let's okay. Let's jump back to that story. So you did the traveling. You said no to dental school, which was a b- boss move. <laughs> and then you started at this new two-year program for computer science. And you were learning how to code at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. I guess like, how did you, I guess you stumbled upon it because people mentioned it, but how did you decide on your first internship between a software engineering internship or a product management internship? Yeah, um, I think it goes back to learning more about what they are. So in, in my mind, I was like, oh, like computer science, I want to build stuff. I want to be able to have the skills and in, in some ways the power to build what I want to build. And I realized though that in a career in software eng it's not really me building what I want. It's more building what others bring me to build essentially. Right. So I was like, Oh, but I really like that part of like coming up with the idea and like mm. go with that, like any group project I did um, in my past two years or anything, I really enjoyed like that part of it, like kind of the development of the idea, like how is this actually going to solve a problem, that part of it. And I didn't know what that was, but you know, as I've discovered product management, that's kind of the part that is important for the product management cycle anyway. Like if you're actually coming up with the right idea, why are you solving this problem? You know, how are you going to do it? Like all those questions. So yeah, it was just kind of like, okay, well, I kind of want to explore this a bit more because it kind of taps into that entrepreneurial side I had discovered at McGill. Right. So that was really the really, I was just curious. I was like, I'm, I'm just going to try it. If I don't like it, I'll do another software eng- internship after or something. So that was sure. my plan. Did you like coding when you were like learning it? Yeah, I loved it. it that was the, I did a little bit of it myself um, before I went into school. And I was like, this is so cool. Like my brain just kind of worked with it. And yeah, I honestly love coding. It's, it's great. Um, my networking journey is a whole other story. Like how I even like got, I honestly don't know how I got two of the best tech internships in Vancouver. Like, <laughs> like it was just like weird to I just, I just always put all my eggs in a basket and I go for the best and it's worked out. <laughs> I know, that's crazy. Let's talk about that. Cause obviously as someone with a science degree and I guess you're, you have a technical background at this point, but still yeah. like landing a product internship um, or product role, like is, is extremely difficult because it's highly competitive. And a lot of the times you're competing with people with product experience, quote unquote. Um, so it's like the, the challenge of breaking in has always been tough. So how did you approach that? Whether it's like from networking or other things that you did? I think for me, this is where ignorance is bliss a little bit. It was one of those moments where I didn't even know it was hard to get product management roles. Like I had no idea. Like I said, I just discovered that it was a thing. Um, I mean, I was like, oh, it's probably more competitive because there's like business people coming in. There's a bunch of different other, there's a lot higher group of people applying to these roles, but I just didn't think of it in a way that, oh, it's going to be hard to get in. I was just like, I'm going to look into how I can get into it. <laughs> and okay, so okay. I worked really hard that semester when I was applying to internships. I went to probably every possible networking event you can imagine. And like, I remember even one day I finished a midterm at 6 p.m., took the transit down to downtown Vancouver, went to this Microsoft event that they were having. Like, right, It was just like, go, go, go. And that Microsoft event specifically, there are thousands of people there. Like there are thousands of people trying to like talk to recruiters and hopefully get a chance to, you know, have an internship. 
And I remember standing there, I remember sitting there and I was like, okay, there's so many people here. How the heck can I stand out? And obviously I did what everybody else was doing. Like I had my uh, printed resume in my bag, like I to give it to them, like if they were coming. And at the end of like their whole talk and spiel about their internship program, everybody lined up to talk to recruiters. And the line was like, you know, out the door, it was huge. So I did not line up and at all. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna let these people do their thing. I'm gonna go get some pizza. <laughs> I'm gonna sit at the table, <laughs> wait till this dies down and then go talk to them. Like that was kind of my plan. And then um, I, while I was eating my pizza, I literally observed, <laughs> it sounds weird, but I was literally watching what every single person was doing to the recruiter. And they were all doing the exact same thing. They're all like, mm. talk, 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 give resume, talk, 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 give resume, talk, 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 give resume. And I was like, okay, how can I, he's not going to remember all these people because they're all doing the exact same thing. Mm. So I just sat back and I was like, I'll just like do something very, very different. And maybe talk about not even the internship program, like do like a very left field. How can I get to know this person like more on a deeper level? And then so every, I was like the last person to talk to the recruiter at the very end. Again, did that strategically. Um, so they would remember me because it's like, your, that's how your uh, short-term memory works. Right. And then I, <laughs> I went and talked to them because I was part of a women in computer science um, group at my school. And I had saw that that year, for some reason, Microsoft wasn't coming to my school. And I was like, hmm, okay. That's what I ended up talking to him about. I was like, hey, I just, I just wanted to bring up, the, I'm part of the women in comp side group. And wanted to like understand like why Microsoft wasn't coming to our school this year. Like I know a lot of people are disappointed and blah, blah, blah. And he was just like, oh, oh, thanks for letting me know. He, and then it, like, we ended up having this whole thing. He was like, actually, you're right. The recruiter who was supposed to go there like couldn't make it this year, um, but I'll see if I can go instead. And then he, he was like, yeah, let me grab your LinkedIn. I'll contact you. I was like, great. So it was just one of those Damn. things. LinkedIn and I ended up like having a more personal connection with him. And in the end, he ended up being the recruiter who interviewed me. So it all kind of just like worked out. Damn, that's like, not smart. Honestly, it was by chance, by chance that he was the recruiter who interviewed me for like my phone screening or whatever, the very first one. Yeah. So I, I ended up getting like an offer from Microsoft and SAP, but my Microsoft offer came way later than my SAP one. So I ended up not doing the Microsoft internship, but still worked out in the end. Still ended up there. And in this conversation with this recruiter, you didn't talk about, oh, hey, I'm actually looking for internships as well. Nope, didn't even give him my resume. Like I didn't even put my, I, cause I knew everybody was, he had a stack of papers of like resumes. And I was like, I'm not gonna give him mine. I was just like, oh, have, you, have you on your LinkedIn though? Cause then I can message you. So that's what oh. I, I ended up, cause my resume is pretty much my LinkedIn account anyway. So he could take a look yeah. if he wanted to. Um, so it was a bit of a risk also, <laughs> not kind of asking for the internship opportunity, but ended up working because it maybe it was a bit more like refreshing for him not to be like all right like yeah you want an opportunity sure add it to the stack as like thousands of people here do yeah so, like yeah kind of building that personal skill or personal relationship with the recruiter in the end actually like after when i was looking for like full-time <clears throat> that's when i actually cold emailed him after i was like hey remember me like remember when i got an offer for an internship <laughs> <laughs> wait that's actually a crazy story how wow you just like i think you just like you're born with like this like hustle energy that's crazy honestly to, like, ever since I into tech, it was just like yeah i was born with that hustle energy and i didn't know what that was like i was like i have no idea what why i was even planning to get go to dentistry i feel like i'd be so bored <laughs> like, yeah that. you yo you should be a pm i can see how you could excel as a product manager <laughs> you be posted on that 
I, I think part of it, networking is super important, but like just like landing an interview with your resume, I think that's also tough. Like, do you remember what you did to your resume to like spice it up to like gear it towards like product management more? Yeah, for sure. Um, well, not specifically to product management, but <clears throat> the way I like, I actually went around when I was looking for internships at the time and I passed my resume on to like so many different recruiters and I asked for feedback. I was just like, hey, like if you were to look at this, like what is a no and what's a yes, essentially. And I got a lot of different opinions from different recruiters. Like some recruiters would just like cross off a bunch of stuff. Some people would be like, oh, I love this. And I'd be like, hmm, okay. Um, so what I ended up doing was I just made it very clear. I made a one page resume, did it like the whole structure. I bolded everything throughout, like to showcase mm. where my skills were in what project. Yeah, it was the projects that I showed my leadership skills, like the fact that, you know, I had this start or this uh, organization at McGill, I was part of, you know, women in comp sci. I got like second place at a hackathon, like just like things like that, <clears throat> that like showcase your leadership skills, I think is really important for product management. Um, so the kind of projects I had on my resume were um, very technical, like they were kind of like either a whole web, I had designed a whole web game and we developed like a, you know, a battle game that we had done in one of my courses. Um, I had a personal project that I put on there in regards, again, more technical. It's just showcasing that I've executed products like from front to end, because I don't know if it really looks good to see like, oh, I've started a product, mm. but that's it, you know, because I know a lot of people who've done that and that I don't know if that looks really good. So I think it's more important to show what you've executed and to show your leadership skills. And I think those are the two big things that are really good for um, PMs, especially. Oh, that's what's worked for me. Anyway, I can't say it for everybody, but that's what's worked for me is to, yeah, my volunteer or experience to show that I take initiative. That's what I was going to say, to show that you have, you can take initiative on um, your successes and your, like you're a go-getter in some way. It's, that's yeah. what they want for PMs. It's like you're someone yeah. able to, you know, have an idea and roll the whole thing Take out. Yeah, Take exactly. That's right. Let's talk about that for a bit. Like how, how did you prepare for interviews? Because it sounds like you're more of like the YOLO, let's just jump into it and type versus like, let's do like a shit ton of research on like exactly how interviews are and plan accordingly, um, yeah. which, is, which is what I did. And by the way, for the record, I got rejected from the Microsoft PM internship. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> when I was in college yeah. and I was like, I was devastated. Um, but I was like, I think I like over-prepared and like I psyched myself out. Like I was like, Oh my God, it's Microsoft. I was like, Holy shit. Uh, no, I, I had like, how, like 10 pages of notes. Yeah, no, I was going to say that. I think that's very normal. Actually. I think Microsoft has a different like prestige in that front. So I definitely was the same. Like my SAP, oh, really? I was like, I kind of, for some reason knew I was going to get it. So I didn't really, I <laughs> I did a little bit of research and like, I was like, all right, like I already bonded with the people who are interviewing me. Um, I just have to like pull it off essentially. And mm. so I wasn't as stressed for that interview, but um, for my Microsoft one, I didn't know anybody who was going to interview me. And I knew it was going to be like four back-to-back -back technically difficult questions that they're going to ask mm. me to solve or design a product or whatever. So yeah, I did a whole bunch of research for that one. I read the whole cracking the PM interview book. Um, oh. I have like my whole one note, shout out to one note. Um, I have a whole section on there, like of like, you know, types of questions, like um, estimation questions. Like I did a whole freaking prep. I did a one month of just studying for my interview. Oh shit. Yeah, no, wow. it wasn't, that one wasn't a, 
Oh, it's for the best. (laughs) No, the Microsoft one, I actually worked really, really hard and I did a lot of research. I looked into all their products and made sure I understand like the problem space of like everything that I could potentially be asked. And yeah, I was, I was prepped for that one. I I studied. Yeah. That one wasn't a yellow. I wish that could be that easy. (laughs) You have to study pretty hard for those. Yeah. I feel like people need to hear that as well. How did you know what to prep? Like, how did you, did you just Google like how to prepare for Microsoft? Honestly, I didn't. Yeah. I was just like, yeah, pretty much. I just Googled it and I was like, everyone's talking about the crafting the PM interview book. Yeah, honestly, that's, a that's, a, that's a great book. I think it really does prep you for interviews. And yeah, for sure. Um, there's a shit ton of questions in there that you can practice. And yeah. I think a big thing that people might not do is they spend a lot of time reading instead of mm. actually just problem solving. So I think that was a big part of it. So it's like half the time I spent just like reading about, you know, Microsoft, le- learning the whole like process on how to solve a problem. And then the other half would just practice. And so it's like, okay, like here's a product idea. How would you solve it? So I think a lot of the time people don't, or there's a lot of mock interviews on YouTube too that you can watch. That's what I did. Yeah, Yeah, I think it's just a lot of practice problems and getting your foot in the door and getting comfortable with those kind of questions. So when you're prompted with potentially a difficult problem in your interview, you can kind of just like break it down in your head and Mm. like compartmentalize each part to like solve the problem. So Right. Yeah. Damn. And like, I guess, did anyone, did you do any mocks with any friends? Did you reach out to any PM people to like give you advice or anything? No, I can't. I, I didn't actually, I didn't know anyone to be honest. I didn't know, <laughs> any, I didn't know any PMs. Like I said, all my friends and comps that were going to software engineering. I was the only one going into PM. Um, so it was kind of that it felt a little bit of a lonely journey. Cause I was just kind of like, I don't know anybody else in the PM world. And like, if I knew you were in it, I would have reached out to you for sure. But, or like even like some of our friends now who are in it, like I had no idea, yeah. but um, yeah. So it was just more of a free for all. I was just hoping for, I was really nervous. It was kind of one of those things where I was like, man, this is like my shot. I really hope I get it. Um, but the day of the interview, I was, I felt ready. It was just kind of like, you wake up and you're like, hey, do it. <laughs> Damn. And you weren't, yeah. you weren't like that nervous. You're like in the zone. No, I was like, my anxiety was at an ultimate high the week before. <laughs> like, it was kind uh, of like, I was like stressed out like crazy. But then the day I woke up for some reason, I was like super calm. Like, I was just like ready. I just like go time kind of thing. And I was like, oh, so that's what happened. I didn't like freak out. But yeah. Wow. So I was virtual. My internship or my interview was virtual. So I didn't get the opportunity to like, you know, they fly you to Seattle, put you in a nice hotel and like all that. I was like, oh, I'm still in my apartment, but um, it's fine. Um, but if anyone who does have virtual interviews is they kind of send you like a whole schedule for your day. And it's pretty much a whole day of interviews, like from like my, I think mine started at like 10 a.m. And I ended around 4 p.m. kind of thing. So it was like a full day. Um, and each interview you're meeting with, um, a different kind of PM. And I met with two teams in my inter- in my interview. So, and you kind of alternate. It's like one team and then another team and then back to the first team. And then the last one is typically like a senior um, in management that yeah. you just kind of talk about like what you're interested in and all that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, it was, it was very, very casual. I would say pretty chill in regards to like energy. They really make you feel comfortable when you're talking to them. And all the, they pretty much just like slide in the problem. Like as you're like casually speaking, you're like, oh yeah. So uh, imagine this, 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 how would you do X, Y, Z kind of scenario? So it's a very casual, which is kind of nice. 
Um, but at the same mm. time, it's like they try to like see if you're able to like grab the question while you're speaking to them. Right. So, yeah. One of the one of the things that I find challenging is even though if even if you know the answers of how to like approach a problem, I think something that isn't taught in school, especially for non-business students, is like how do you deliver it? Like how do you communicate it? How are you how 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 can it be structured in your communications? Um, how did you go about learning that or like articulating your answers in a really clear and effective way? Yeah, I think a lot of it has to do with repeating yourself, like to really make sure that they understand what you're saying. So it's like you're, you're kind of walking them through your thought process as you get to the solution instead of being like silent and then being like, I got it. <laughs> I got mm. this. So it's, <laughs> it's more like, um, you know, like, okay, well, this is why I'm thinking I should be focusing on like this target group. Obviously you need to ask them all the questions prior, right? It's like mm -hmm. your user, learn as much as possible as you can about your target group before you can try to solve the problem. And then, um, yeah, it's kind of just like communicating your thought process. I think it's the best way to deliver it instead of just like keeping them in the dark and then just like saying your solution. Because in the end, if they're able to like repeat what you solved, then you know you delivered it, if that makes sense. Mm, right. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And now, now that like you made it into product management, how do you know what you're doing? I don't, I don't know. If that's a weird question to ask because you you don't have product experience. You're thrown into like a big organization. Like, how do you make sure that you're on the right track and doing the right things? As a yeah, that's a now great question. Things. Yeah, I know that's that's a fantastic question. You can even like ask me in a year, like how I kind of. <laughs> because I'm still so new like my whole first couple of weeks was just like onboarding stuff but um now that I'm right into my project I think it's just being able to communicate where you are is really important to your team so it's kind of just like hey like this is what I've done this is what I've discovered um I'm probably gonna need like another week to start my spec or like something like that so it's kind of just like I think communication is your ultimate friend when it comes to product management. Cause like, if you're not communicating where you are and like management is expecting something like to be rolled out by the end of the month and it's not there, then, you know, you probably did not do the right thing. But if you're able like say for some reason you're like behind in like your research or you thought the problem's more complicated than you thought, then you have to communicate that. <clears throat> so I think as long as there's communication and um, you're asking for help if you need it, then I mean, <laughs> Actually, honestly, the ultimate result is like ha having results like for the team. Right? <laughs> that's the that's how you know you're succeeding is that you're able to roll out products and like you're making a positive impact in like business and customer needs. So right, that's but I guess like fluffy side of it. But yeah, do you have like a, a homie or like a mentor or like someone at work that you like can bounce ideas oh, off yeah, of yeah. and get coaching on? Okay, yeah, yeah. There's they have all that set up for you. So I have like a mentor I meet up with like every other day. Um, oh, nice. And then um, a buddy who also like gets me like in the loop with all the like ropes and stuff. And um, so no, the support system has been really, really nice. Um, it's just like a countless amount of resources that I could use. So um, they've all been saying good things so far. So yeah, that's a great way to like, <laughs> that's, yeah, honestly asking for feedback is one of the best ways to like gauge how you're doing. So yeah. Yeah. Damn. Okay. Well, to, to recap, you went from wanting to be a dental student and in undergrad to exploring some entrepreneurial side at school to then traveling for a year and doing photography and videography and learning about like different people from different experiences, which ultimately led you to say, fuck it, I don't wanna to go to dental school. 
and <laughs> did a two-year program and in computer science and now you're a program or a product manager at microsoft what do you see yourself going in the next few years or maybe you haven't thought through that yet um well i feel really lucky actually to have gotten a job in seattle because i have a lot of extended family there and mm. now i'm discovering i have a lot of friends there so that's really fun so i think just even moving to Seattle right now, I'm just kind of taking it slow. That's how I've done my whole life is just taking it one step at a time. I've never mm. really been someone to like look even beyond like a five-year mark. Cause I, I used to do that when I was young and I'd be like, oh, by like 28, I'm going to have this, 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 and like you know, <laughs> married and have kids and like all that. And it's like, whoa, no, life was so different than what I expected. Mm-hmm. So it's just kind of, yeah, not really setting expectations for yourself is actually a good way to kind of approach life sometimes. It's just like set goals, set goals mm. for yourself, but don't set expectations. And um, so I think for me, it's just, yeah, in embracing this product management journey, um, learning as much as I can, um, spending time with my family in Seattle. Like that's all I kind of really have planned right now. Um, we'll see where it goes. We'll see what opportunities come up. Cool. Well, yo, thank you for, for sharing your experiences. Do you have any last uh, words of advice or any other crazy quotes for the lit PM homies that are listening to this podcast? Um, crazy quotes. I don't know. I think it's just be yourself, go after your, like your passions and trust your intuition. Honestly, I think that's a big part of it. Just trust your intuition and hope for the best. Well, that's a wrap. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Lit PM. Please follow us on IG at The Lit PM for more raw content on product management.